Hey guys, you're listening to the Tasha Loves podcast. So many of you know that I have a free newsletter, right? So when people sign up for the newsletter, I ask them, "Why do you sign up for the newsletter?" And guess what is one of the most common answers that I got? I think it's quite straightforward, right? It's because it's a Web three crypto newsletter. The, the most popular answers I got is like, "Oh, I want financial freedom," <laughs> therefore. I'm here to learn more about crypto. So when I hear that kind of answer, it's like, uh, oftentimes it's I just go, okay. Um, but you know, you do realize these two things don't really necessarily go together, right? You can you can learn a lot of crypto, you can know a lot about Web three, and still lose a ton of money. Money, okay. And people do that. Like there are people who like uh. They know so much about like technical things, uh, like uh, what what's uh, like different projects, and they they still don't make money. Okay. On the other hand, if you have a what I call a like a internally consistent framework in making your investment decisions, you don't necessarily have to know a lot about projects, about crypto, and all the nine yards in order to be consistently profitable. So um, I I think some people some sometimes people confuse these two things like you like being knowledgeable about a particular field does does you does it give you some advantage in investing in the field yes but does it necessarily mean that you will like is there a necessarily positive correlation with your investment success in that field not necessarily and I think the thing that a lot of people like um trip up on is that many times people don't have a consistent investment framework in their decision making. I, I, I will elaborate more on what that means, right? Be, because uh, I know now you're thinking, okay, that sounds well and good, Tasha, but it's very abstract. <laughs> so, um, but that's really super important. To, what I mean is when you're making decisions, you want to make sure every step of your decision making, you have a clear goal in mind. You know, like every step, like how you're making the decision and why you're making a decision, and all the steps of decisions that you're making should be integrated, should be consistent with each other, right? So one of the like a recipe for unhappiness in life is like you you have if you have a lot of inner conflicts, if you don't have a consistent approach in life, then that leads to a lot of unhappiness, right? So whatever your approach is to life, you like the mo- the important thing is like you've got to be internally consistent. Otherwise, you're just like uh, standing in your way a lot of times. And it's the same thing with investing, right? So there are so many ways. There are a lot of ways, different ways to make money, but each and every approach that you choose you need to have a internally consistent framework. So, but a lot of times that's not what people do, right? So you can go back to, I made another episode a while ago, also talk about this. It's like, I think the title is uh, why most retail investors don't make money. Okay, But essentially it's the idea is like, most people, what what do people, what do most people do when they start like investing either in stocks or, you know, options or cryptos or whatever? Uh, you... You go like uh, you hear something like someone was saying like okay this X Y Z is super bullish and give a bunch of sound good reasons right and then you go buy the thing but do people when people buy the thing do they know like necessarily like how long are they gonna hold it like what's the goal like what's the expectation from this thing is it gonna be you know obviously if you ask people okay when you buy this uh, ABC ticker right what what's your what's your goal then they will say okay my goal is to make money right the more the better but it's doesn't it doesn't work work that way right because that's not specific enough and uh, uh and then you know when the time when a time comes that um they are like people are making the selling decisions how are you going to make that decision right is that like just because like market is going down there for yourself or you hear someone um, you know uh, on a podcast saying something, including this lady who's talking now, right? So um, <laughs> you uh, then then you you base like uh, your decision on those ad hoc factors that are very um, 
it's not like a robust and uh, um, robust uh, approach to decision making that will guarantee your long term success, right? It may like make you money once in a while, but if you don't have a consistent framework, it's hard to have success over a longer stretch of time. Because these are repeated decisions, right? Like once or twice, you make a decision based on some ad hoc factors and you get lucky and you make money, but can you repeat the process like 10, 15, 20 times and still achieve the same result? And when you don't have a consistent framework, that's like becomes harder and harder, right? So, but anyway, so these are, I know very abstract, but uh, these are like things that I just have to say, okay. so. But to, to make this more specific, today what we're gonna do is we are going to actually create a consistent decision-making framework for investing in crypto together, all right, from scratch. So um, to give you an idea of what I mean by like a consistent framework, so again, there are a gazillion ways to make money in the market. This is not the only way. I'm not like, uh, this is not financial advice. I'm not suggesting this is the way you should go about making your investment decisions. But this is a example of what I mean by having an eternally consistent framework, okay? So, um, so in order to do that, I'm gonna have to share some screens. Um, usually I don't do that because I know like uh, people listen to podcasts like in your car when you're jogging or something like that, right? You don't necessarily look at the screen. And also it's, it's just like easier for me to not have to share screens. But just because of the topic today, um, you know, I will have to share some screen. I'll try to be descriptive. So even if you're listening, you're, you know, don't, you don't have like a, a you're not like a, watching this on YouTube, you still, I, I think you should be able to get a gist of it. But obviously, ideally, you, um, you have a screen, right? Because this is, um, the, I, I'm going to share some charts and so on, right? So, um, so if you, but if you're listening, um, you know, just to, for the audio version and uh, if so, there's something that you're interested in, like following along on the visual level, just know that um, there is a YouTube version, okay? So just go to tashalabs.com. It will be posted on tashalabs.com and just go find the YouTube version. So basically, um, first of all, when you are making your investment decisions, you need to have a framework, right? So what do I mean by a framework? These are what I considered the components of your framework, like very basic components. And obviously you can have like a, a lot more components than this, but these are like key decisions you have to make from beginning to end um, in order to execute a investment transaction, right? You need to know, first of all, what is your time horizon, the big picture? Like, are you holding uh, several minutes, several seconds, several hours, several days, weeks, month, years, what's your deal, right? That's number one. Number two, uh, once you decide on what's your horizon, when do you enter and when when do you exit? Those are the, the, the next decision you need to make, right? So who wh what are the criterias that you're using to make those decisions? And then if things don't go well, when do you decide to take loss? What's the criteria for that? And then, you know, obviously these are like operational level, right? These these four. But then you still need to, like on the bigger picture level, you need to choose like which tokens or which tickers you want to buy and sell, right? So how are you going to make decisions on that? And then finally, in terms of your, you know, management of your investment positions, how big of a bet are you going to make? And what's the basis for that decision, right? So, um. You may think you may think you have the answer. Maybe you have the answer to this, or you don't have the answer to these. But if you actually lay these questions out on paper, I highly encourage right you to do this exercise. Actually, just to write these questions down and see if you can give like a really clear answer to each and every one of those. Okay, so it cannot be when to enter. Oh, because someone on Twitter tells me to. That's not that's not a framework. Okay. If you are doing that, then you will just be you know, whipsaw the left and right. That's the more likely outcome, right? And also, okay, so let's just go through these each each and every one of these uh, like step by step. So what's your time horizon? 
your time horizon is going to determine the rest of these things, right? It's going to determine the rest of your strategies. So, you know, like I'm on Twitter, I get like tons of message on a weekly basis. People ask me, hey, can you like a promote, like, can we buy a promotional tweet from you? Can you just tweet out to your followers to say, our token, XYZ token is super bullish and put a, like a rocket sign on it. <laughs> so I get a ton of those, right? So, um, and do I say, do I say yes? No, I don't say yes, right? Why? Not because I'm nice. <laughs> That's not the reason. Not because, not because I don't like money, all right? But because I have a longer time horizon, right? So I, I, my goal is to live to a hundred years old, 120 years old. If you listen to like some of my previous episodes. And so I have a long time horizon. So I want to build a longer time horizon brand. That means I need to sustain a certain level of reputation. Right. So, but if, so, so that dictates my strategy in terms of what kind of decisions that I make. But if on the other hand, if I have a short time horizon, right, if I have like a Twitter account, right, I'm just like uh, looking to cash out tomorrow, then I will certainly say yes to those uh, to those offers, right? You see like lots of influencers on Twitter, like promoting uh, tokens left and right, right? So those are like being sponsored, right? Most of the time. So, um, but but that's a, like every like a promotional like thing that you put out is going to eat into your brand equity, right? But if if you are just like doing a short term, if your horizon is short term, then it doesn't matter, right? Because you're looking to cash out tomorrow. If your horizon is long term, then that becomes a different decision, right? So that's just like analogy. Same thing with uh, when you're making when you are making like in, investing decisions. So how do you think about your time horizon? Obviously, you, again, a gazillion ways to make money, right? You can you can trade on like a sub-second time horizon, but do you have the tools and skills to do that, right? And on the extreme other end, there are people who like advocating, you know, hodling for years on end. Some people just see it as like wear it as if it's a badge of honor, right? Okay, I sustained this like a 60, 70, 80% of drawdown over the bear market as if it's an honorable thing, which I just don't understand. <laughs> okay. So um to me, like, okay, yeah, if stupidity is an honorable thing, um, yeah, sure, maybe. But seriously, I just don't understand. Okay. So if you're in an asset class that habitually has this habit of go down like 50%, have like 50% drawdown in a year. Why would you hold multiple years? Like, you know, even if the thing has like, even if your time horizon is 10, 20 years, but still, why would you be subject yourself to that kind of drawdown? So then people, then people will tell you, um, by the way, I'm going into the, again, this is the example. Okay. You, you don't have to follow my train of thought. I'm just telling you if you if you are like uh, constructing a investment framework from scratch how I would think about it. Now obviously each and every one of us we wear our color glasses in looking at the world we all have our perspectives. So I'm telling you like one perspective but it's like the process is the same, okay? So from my perspective it doesn't make sense to have a multi-year holding for crypto because very volatile asset class, right? So, and then um, when you think about this, then oh, what is, uh, what should be my time horizon? The sub-second, the minutes, the day trading, like uh, uh, frequency, it doesn't really appeal to me because I've got other things to do, right? I don't like to sit in front of the screen, just uh, watch tickers um, every day and uh, every minute and every hour. So that's one. And secondly, because even if you do day trading, it's like a, crypto is a small market, right? So the bid ask spread, even on the larger, okay, on the larger tokens, it's like uh, relatively um, good. But the, if you get into like a smaller tokens, the bid ask spread is like a super huge sometimes, right? So if you're doing like a really, really short term intraday, like an intra hour, that kind of thing, you your your risk is like much harder to control compared to like a traditional like equity market if you're trading like a Tesla 
or um, you know, Apple or Amazon stock, right? So that's also a, a consideration. So I do not want to go into like a super short, uh, like a super low frequency, like a sub, like a intraday kind of thing. I do not want to go into like a super high frequency, like multi-year kind of thing. So I want to find a medium level, right? So what is my medium level? Now you gotta like find a way to answer this question. How do you answer this question? You answer this question by actually looking at the data, right? It's you don't answer this question by just like uh, come up with uh, brilliant ideas in your in your dreams, okay? So how do you answer this question? What is the time horizon that you should be aiming for? Now, um, this is when <laughs> looking at some actual actual data will help, right? So this is a chart um, of the total crypto market. A cap, which is like a total, it just, you, this is essentially just a total market index for crypto, right? So I don't want to go into specific tokens because I'm not here to recommend any tokens, but it's the same deal because this chart is very representative because the crypto, like 80, 90% of crypto tokens just move together, right? Because it's essentially one sector. If you think about like all the asset classes, like risk asset classes, if crypto is part of the stock market, it will be just one sector of the stock market, at least at this at this stage. Okay, in the future, it may expand to it may become part of everything, every sector. But right now, it's just one sector, just like healthcare, or technology, or utilities, or you know, real estate. I don't know. It's just like one sector of the whole market, right? So this this sector. Like within the sector, the diversification is very limited. All the things move together. So this total crypto chart gives you a very good idea of how like the entire crypto market, crypto thing is doing without we having to go into the specific tokens. Okay. So if you just look at this, you go, okay, we are on a daily frequency, right? If you just look at this thing, now, can you tell me what's the difference between if you look at this? And if you compare, go compare this uh, a crypto um, like a, a market trend with something like S&P 500 or with something, let's look at NASDAQ, okay. With something like NASDAQ, do you notice some like a similarity or difference here? Now the similarity is these markets, risk asset markets, they all move together, right? But they're also different, right? So you look at this, uh, this is a NASDAQ, right? So for example, we look at the beginning of 2023. We know that risk asset had a bull run, right? But even if you, even if it's a bull run, you look at how the NASDAQ moves. It's like go, goes up one day and then it's like it fades. And then goes up for another one, two, three, four, five days. And then it fades for two days. And then goes up two days and then fade for another two days. So it's like uh, every few days it changes its mind, right? It's going to do a correction. Or it's going to like a change direction. Now, if you look at the uh, total like a crypto market over the same period, what did it do? It started going up like uh, January 1st started going up one, two, three, four. Okay. And then it, it took a little bit of break. But if you look at this continuous trend and you see like a series of green bars, it's almost like two weeks. Okay, continuously going up. And you can take, you look, the same thing goes on the downside, right? You like, uh, since since February, since middle February, you see a market downtrend and it's like a series, a series of red. Goes down and down and down and you see that every day. So my point is this market has a much bigger tendency to trend either on upside or on downside compared to, you're like general like equity index in indices like NASDAQ or S&P, right? So why is that? So there, there are a lot of reasons, but one reason is just because the players, because the crypto market is much smaller, even though it's worldwide, it's much, it's like in terms of uh, uh, the, the, uh, the amount of liquidity is in the market, the amount of, of fundings in the market is much smaller, right? And also you have a much less diverse investor base. Now, if you go, it's like people who, there are all sorts of people who are investing in NASDAQ or investing in S&P, right? Some people are seeking growth. Some people seeking to preserve uh, capital. Some people, they're doing like uh, day trading. Some people like doing like high frequency. 
uh, trading. Some people, they hold the thing, like doing like a, a Warren Buffett type of thing. Or some people, they hold the thing for like 10, 20 years even, right? So there are all sorts of players with a diverse set of purposes in this market. But do you see the diversity in crypto? Not so much, right? So everybody's in the crypto. Do you have like, a, do you have people, how many people in crypto investing in crypto in order to preserve capital? Not so much, right? Everybody is here is to, uh, you know, is uh, speculating to to various ex extent because this this is way out on the risk curve, right? So to speak. So people are seeking taking a, a bit more risk to get high returns. So you get a lot more like a uh, homogeneity across like uh, the uh, investor base in the crypto market compared to like TradFi risk asset markets, right? So as as a result, you see like this. Uh, almost like a one-track mind behavior, right? Either it's going up and it really consistently go up and then, or it's going down. Once it goes, once it starts to go down, it just like, uh, you know, really just like put its mind seriously into the business of going down, right? So you don't have that kind of diversity of thought and purposes that in the typical, um, you know, equity or even like a, a foreign exchange market that creates like sort of up and down, up and down, more volatility, that kind of thing, right? So that's the thing you notice. So what, so given this information, does that, does that help you to, does that inform your view in terms of your time horizon? Huh? Go back to, to the question, what's your time horizon? So to me, it does, right? Because this tells me, as opposed to like, if I'm, I can do like more like, if my, my time horizon in the equity market, I can do like, uh, you know, two or three or four days because that's, that's, uh, that's like generally when the market is uh, uh, the time horizon of, uh, of a, like a short-term market trend, right? Two, three, four days, and then it reverts. And then another two days maybe, and then it reverts. In the crypto market, I will probably look to 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 I will probably look to have a longer time horizon than that. It's just because this market has a stronger tendency to trend on either side, right? So then, how long should your time horizon be? Again, you know, you can just like a you can look at this thing by just looking at the trend in the past, right? If you look at the January, um, you have like a mini bull market here. How long did it last? Here we have like uh, 30 days. It, here it says like 35 bars, but really in earnest, market, market was going up for like 20, 20 days, right? 20 days, 20 to 30 days. And then you had another like a mini uptrend in like uh, October, November that lasted 15 days. And then if we go back, July, August, that uptrend lasted 30 days, okay? And we can still go back even more. Um, here, we had like a March, 2022, like a little uptrend lasted about three weeks, okay, 20 days. Now, this is the bear market, okay? How about the bull market? We'll go back to 2011, uh, sorry, 2021. 2021, October to like November, December, that like a uptrend went up for like 40 days, okay? And before that, another uptrend from July to like September, 2022, that lasted about like 45 days. And before that, you, you, you get my point, I hope, right? We don't have to go through all of this. You can go look at this yourself. But um, if we go like early, early uh, 2021, you have these uh, small like uh, up waves. How long do they last? 25 days, 20 days, 20 days, like 15 days. And then before that in 2020, when the uh, post COVID bull market just started, you had like uh, some uptrend, like waves lasted 45 days. This one is like 27 days. Uh, 25 days. This one is like about 30 days in August, July, August of 2020. And then the post of uh, like uh, 
uh, post the crash of COVID after March 2020, that was the longest, right? That that one lasted like a, like a more than 50 days, right? 52 days here. So, so, and you can go back, you can go back to look at even more like a longer time series. But what's the point? What's the point uh, I'm making here? What conclusion can you draw from just the like uh, the, the the data that we just looked at? The conclusion, my conclusion, okay, my conclusion from looking at this is that this market has like an uptrend. When this market is in the uptrend, it usually lasts somewhere between like fifteen days to up to like fifty days. So. Basically, um, two weeks to a month and a half. That's generally how long these uh, these waves last. And in the bear market, it's like uh, these uh, um, these uh, uptrend episodes last shorter period in general, right? And so usually 15, two weeks to three weeks. In a bear market, especially the beginning of a bear market, they can last longer. It can go to like 40, 50 days. So that is the answer to my holding period, to our time horizon question, right? So now I have the answer. And again, we are just con constructing this example investment framework, right? So let's say our horizon is, now we have the answer. Um, in bear market, we are going to look at 15, to 20 days. That's the time horizon. In bull market, we are going to look at 30 to 50 days. That's our time horizon for this particular framework, okay? So once you have this, once you have this fixed, you know that, because again, the reason we pick these time, time horizon, pick these uh, holding period essentially, is because you look at data and you realize that's generally how long a uptrend in this market will be able to hold up before it reverse to some extent, right? So that's that informs your decision. All right, now question number one, done. And then you question the next questions. When do you enter? When do you take part, part profit? When do you take loss? Now, here's the part that once you have question number one determined, you know your time horizon. Now it's kind of, a, um, I, I wouldn't call it like a really like a easy process, but it's at least it's a simple process because there are all sorts of strategies out there, okay? In just to um, that fit this time frame, okay? Essentially there are, what we are, if we're talking about 15 to 20 days or 30 to 50 days, we're talking about some sort of like uh, some sort of strategy to catch a trend of this time frame that we have decided, right? Then all you need to do is just go look for this type of strategies to see what you can find and then go pick one. And that will decide how you, and that strategy essentially will 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 be your criteria of entry and exit and the uh, loss taking it's simple as that now i don't want to sound like a i don't want to make it sound like a, oh it's like a, this is super easy to do obviously any strategy you choose you take take a period to actually familiarize with your strategy and there there are lots of details but at the end of the day once you decide your time horizon and you you decide okay this is my goal i'm going to like play this kind of time horizon and you know in this market you essentially you have a much clearer di direction in terms of what kind of strategy you're going to be looking for right at least now you know what you are what you are looking for instead of just searching for searching blindly because you don't know what exactly you're searching right and then when you hear people say something make a comment about like prediction about, okay, are we going to be a bull market or bear market? Then your question immediately is like, is this person talking in alignment with my time horizon or not? 
if it's not in if it's not like uh, if it's not clear whether this person is talk speaking the language of my time horizon then i don't have to hear a word right because it's totally irrelevant to me so but essentially after you decide on this time horizon you go look for strategies now this seriously you can just do some internet searches and go find these strategies they are available out there and they're like pretty and and after you find some you 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 go look at whether these things make sense right but to speed up our process okay you can literally go google this but essentially to speed up our process make a, make ourselves more productive i'm going to just ask chatgpt what kind of strategies will fit our time horizon right so here i asked ChatGPT to recommend three profitable strategy for trend following momentum with a average holding period of 15 to 45 days. Okay. So then you get a response in like five minutes. So these are what ChatGPT says. It recommended three strategies. I know like some of you are sitting at home and laugh at this. How can this be so simple? But really seriously, if you actually read what ChatGPT says, <laughs> it's a productivity tool, right? You're going to find the same thing if you go search for, for the internet and go sign up for a $5,000 courses. You're going to find pretty much the same rationales because these are just like tried and true ideas, okay? Essentially, it's just like, uh, but obviously the devil is in the details, right? The big picture is the same. You know, if I go get a haircut, I go for like a American hairdresser or I go for like, um, Argentinian hairdresser, or I go to a Japanese hairdresser, they they are all essentially cutting my hair, all right? They're doing some layering, they're cutting my band, like doing some, some, some like small fine tuning. Essentially, it's the same deal. It's just like cutting hair, right? Your hair is long, it needs to be shorter. That's your goal, okay? And, but, but what's the difference? You, your hair will look different slightly because it will be essentially at the end of the day it will be styled a little bit differently right they, they will like a, cut the angle a little bit different here and there right uh, how much like a layering they're putting in three layers or four layers essentially it's the same shit okay basic idea it's just like long hair needs to be cut shorter that's the goal so that's essentially a lot of times what these like a these uh, investing strategies, when it comes down to these tactical tactical level, once you decide on your big picture goal, then the um, the strategies are really just variations on the same theme. Okay, so let's see what this uh, ChatGPT has suggested for us. It suggested number one, moving average crossover. So um, again, just briefly. For those those people uh, who don't know, this is like a very uh, simple strategy. You basically you have a fast moving average, um, like a uh, here it's giving an example of fifty days, and you have a slow moving average, which it says one hundred days, and you buy when the fast moving average cross above across the um, slow moving average to the upside, and you sell when the fast moving average cross down cross the uh, slow moving average to a downside, right? Okay, so that's the one trading strategy, basically capturing the trend. So the idea, because we want a trend of uh, 15, um, although I would say like, if you're going to moving average crossover and we are holding period is 15 to 45 days, I see no point of having, of using a 50 day to 100 day moving average, right? So I will use a shorter moving average just to fit our time frame. but the idea is the same, right? So that's the first strategy, ChatGPT says. And the second strategy, it says is RSI, RS, uh, relative strength uh, divergence, which is like, uh, okay, if your stock price goes up and RSI index does not go up, that's the time to sell because the trend is weakening and vice versa. So that's the number two strategy. And number three strategy, okay, it's like a breakout. Okay, this one, he's telling you, I don't know, ChatGPT is not a he, definitely. It's, not, it's a it, it's a they. Okay, they're telling you <laughs> um, breakout strategy, you basically, you identify some kind of support resistance and then you go like buy a breakout or you sell a breakout to a downside, okay? That's in the, in the nutshell of what these things are. 
there are a gazillion variations on these things, but again, it's just a styling difference with your haircut. Essentially, essentially, it's the same thing. It's just trying to capture the trend, okay, or the or the momentum. So, um, so what we're gonna do is let let's let's just say we are going to implement number one suggestion by ChatGPT. We're going to use the moving average crossover, right? It's still like very simple to execute. So let's go back to this, our framework. When to enter, now we know, moving average crossover to upside. Uh, when do you take profit? That's when moving average crossover to downside, okay? Now you already, three questions, three questions down, all right? So let's see, what does this look like? on our um, total crypto market cap. Now I'll, I'll put, I already said the two moving average up here. I said it, I, what I said is like a day and 21 days. Those are not magic numbers, okay? Please don't, don't, don't read too much into this. You can say well, however number, whatever number you want. You can set five day, 10 day, nine day, seven day. Not a huge difference, right? Because it's trying to capture the same shit essentially. So, um, but here I have eight days and 21 days. Let me make this line clearer because this color is not very clear, okay? So um, so essentially, all right. Now, if, according to this strategy, when do you buy? <laughs> you buy when we have a crossover, right? So like uh, the late, very lately right now, you had a crossover on like a Tuesday. Well, actually this is UTC time. So it depends on your um, time zone. For me, it will be actually the Monday, all right? So um, this past Monday, that was that's when that crossover happened, all right? But you can also say, okay, I'm going to anticipate a crossover here because I've noticed this trend is very strong coming off on Sunday and then, uh, I'm going to anticipate it. So, because it looks like it's definitely going to cross over. So I will just go by even before the crossover happens. You can do that too, right? So, but this is like, uh, again, fine tuning details. Once you decide, again, you need you need to decide on what your framework is. Once you have a framework, then you work on fine tuning, optimizing, all that kind of things, right? But first of all, you need to have a consistent framework. So now, once you have this framework, um, remember my, like, uh, once you have this framework now, you, your decision-making is a lot more robust compared to just someone listening to some random person talking on Twitter, right? So you now remember last episode, I was like, when this, uh, Silicon Valley bank thing just broke out last Sunday, I put out this episode. I said, what did I say? I said, okay, this crypto market is reacting to, um, the Fed is uh, setting up these uh, emergency liquidity facilities. And, uh, but essentially my assessment was the SVB was not a huge deal, all right? Maybe the Fed is a little bit overreacting, but they're reacting to calm the, um, to calm the, uh, the, the, the scare in the market. But I don't think that's, that, that means a reversal of monetary policy. So that was my assessment at the time. So, I thought at the time, my opinion was this move, all right, coming as soon as this that announcement was made, you see crypto markets started going up. But at the time, I thought this move was to be faded. That's you heard. That's that's what I said in that episode, right? So, but if you have a framework, if you have a like a investing framework, do you really care about what anybody says? You don't, right? Whatever this 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 uh, Tasha person says, you don't care because you see if if moving average crossover is your strategy, you see moving average crossover happens, then you buy because that's your strategy. Doesn't matter what anybody says. Okay, so you you like when you have a consistent strategy, you don't really care you what what who like who else's opinion is. Like I don't I don't even care what my opinion is. Even though I said Sunday evening, I had the opinion, my opinion was this move was to be faded. 
But did I take advantage of this move? Yes. Because mon Monday morning, I wake up, I see, okay, this was not fading. And then also I have a framework for decision-making that is independent of my opinion. Yes, I take my opinion into account, but is that a like a essential component of my strategy, of my framework? No, because I can be, my opinion can be wrong all the time, right? But eventually what's gonna help me is to have a consistent strategy. So I fade my own opinion all the time, you know? It's like, uh, at the end of the day, it's it's good to have an opinion because it gives you some, it helps you to plan, helps you to have like a, a outlook on, you know, what kind of thing is likely to happen so that you don't have to be like a reactionary all the time, right? Because it gives you some, some kind of forward-looking view that gives you some kind of wiggle room, some breathing room in your planning and your decision-making. So it's helpful to some extent. But it's not like an end-all, be-all. When, when you have a framework, that framework is going to be your end-all and be-all, right? So um, so essentially, so if you if that's your strategy, if um, moving average crossover is your strategy, then you will buy Sunday or Monday, no matter what anybody says, right? So similar thing, if you go, um, if we go back, right? We have like a bull run in like uh, in, in, uh, in January, and then the market dropped. It was uh, actually, it gave you a lot of time. This move was not was not volatile at all, right? Because it gave you essentially two weeks of time, two weeks of additional time. The market was just like doing nothing. So you can make up your mind <laughs> of what to do, right? So the move was not drastic at all. It was very polite. It was very orderly. So, you know, at the end of February, at the uh, beginning of February, According to your moving average strategy, this is time to sell, right? So almost time to sell. And then you crossed over, like definitely this moving average, like when this fast moving average went down and then it crossed over. So again, so this is just like one simple framework to help you make these, make consistent decisions, right? Instead of being swayed by however the wind blows. So, okay, so then we have like three questions decided. Now the first question, when do you take loss? Again, your all of your decisions are consistent, consistent with each other, right? So if you know that your strategy is um, these like 15 to 50 days and your enter and exit is according to some kind of moving average crossover. And then when do you take loss? Isn't this very clear? just based on your existing component of your strategy. So if you are taking this, if your strategy is moving over, uh, like a, a moving average crossover to the upside, that's when you buy. Now you set a stop loss. What is the natural stop loss? That will be at the bottom of your moving average, right? Because if say you, you bought like on like a month, Monday UTC time, this is Tuesday, actually, let's, um, yeah, Tuesday is fine, let's do it like Tuesday. If you bought on, on Tuesday, because you saw this uh, moving average crossover, now you, like, uh, this is not a ticker, but again, it's the crypto market all the same, right? It's the same rationale. So how would you set your stop loss? You set a stop loss right below this uh, faster moving average, right? Because if your stop loss get hit, if if this uh, price drops down to your stop level, that means there's no no longer a crossover, right? The crossover thesis has failed, invalidated, right? So that's when you should you 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 should be getting out. So again, you naturally now because because of your other component of your strategy is set. Now you know exactly when to take loss, right? You take loss when moving average crossover fails. That is, you set a stop loss below fast moving average line, right? So that's how you, you, you now you have like four components of your framework all set. Now, the next thing, 
now you're like, we almost, we, we are almost there, right? We have like most part of our framework. Now we just need to know which tokens to select. But again, essentially, this is also your go back framework, right? You go back, we go back to our um, crypto market uh, price data. You you know, like in general, mar generally in any market, I talked about this in the previous episode too, you have two kinds of, two or three kinds of basic patterns. You have mean reversion, you have um, trend. So the market will trend until it's no longer trending, then it mean reverts. Once it mean reverts, it starts trending again to the other direction, right? So you have this, this um, fluctuation or the yin and yang of these two components constantly at play in the market, which is like a basic pattern of any market, including crypto, right? So that would, does that inform you in terms of which token to select? It does, right? Just based on these, like, uh, if you think about it, based on these two basic market patterns, if you are in a downtrend, if the market is in downtrend and it hits some kind of, and it starts reverting, that's when beginning of the mean reversion, right? So like the beginning of January, you know at the time that market had been trending down for quite a while, right? So at this time, and it's starting to revert. So I talked about this before in this type of scenario, what type of, uh, what type of names that will go up the most? The mean, like um, the ones that are down the most, right? Because again, we're talking about like mean reversion. You have to, this, like when this uh, uh, early uptrend started, that mean reversion is the dominant theme, right? So whatever, whatever tokens that are down the most, that's the bunch of uh, names that you're gonna like look you're going to like a search search uh, among those in order to find your gem, right? So that's at the beginning of a up move. Once the, this up move gets going, all right? So we had this up move at the beginning of January. We had, uh, had it for like uh, um, uh, over a month, right? And then you correct it and now it's up again, right? Since, since a week ago. Now it's no longer... <laughs> Well, it depends on your again how what's uh, what's the time frame that you look at this. But to me, this is no longer a strictly speaking, um, uh, like a, a market reversal from from the deep bottom, right? Because we are we are already we had a wave of a pretty big um, kind of uptrend a month ago. This is essentially market corrected, and then you know it wants to go up uh, again, right? So. It's no longer sort of like a strictly speaking, um, uh, kind of uh, like a deep reversal from like a bear market, right? So, so then at this stage, the kind of a trend components start to, to be at play, right? So the trend component is just like what, whatever went up has a tendency to go up even more, right? So this is time you may be thinking about, okay, I'm going to go look among the tokens that went up the most at this first stage of the market recovery, because those I know give me the information. Those will be the most active names that have a higher ten more likelihood to go up the most because those have strongest trend essentially, right? So essentially at first when market was just like a, coming out of like a deep bottom, you play the mean reversion. So you go look for the like the biggest reversals. You you go look for those that went down the most. But as the market get going, you look for those names that have the strongest trend. So that's the basic idea. So if you have that, those like a framework in mind, you know exactly what you're gonna look for, right? So. At this stage, so at the beginning of January, you would look for those like really beaten down names and see if any of them um, are starting to turn up because those have the likelihood to go up the most. And then once the market get going, once we have like now at this stage, you go look for those 
that have the strongest trend over the past one or two months, right? So like for me, like I actually track this, right? I So I personally, I track this like uh, just manually um, use, using my own program. So what, what, what names do you see here? So these are like basically list, a list of tokens that went up the most in the past 30 days, okay? By this is, but I have a market cap criteria. So these these are like a market cap above, um, I think it's a uh, hundred million. That's the market cap criteria. So what do you see? Conflux, Stacks, uh, Liquidity, uh, Casper, I don't know what this is. Uh, Casper, MX, Floki, Marble X, Blocks, Immu Immutable X, Neo, Mask Network, Injective, Singularity Net, um, Dow Maker, Flexcoin, Gains Network. So if you if you track these things <laughs> on a regular basis, you will notice that, so this is for the past 30 days, okay? 30 day, past 30 days, it went up the most. But if you go look for, if you go, if you go back, if you track these uh, regularly, you will notice if you haven't tracked, you just have to take my words for it at like currently right now at this stage, right? Until you go look for it yourself. So you you will notice that half of these tokens, half of these names that I just read out to you, they were also <laughs> the ones that went up the some of the best performing ones in the January bull run. Okay. So in other words, there is a continuation of trend here. So if you if this is something that you notice, you notice this pattern, what are you gonna do? Even if you don't, even if you don't track these manually like me, but this is like super easy to do, right? You just go to like whatever trading platform that you're buying uh, these tokens on. They will list, okay, what's the best performers in the next next uh, ninety days or next thirty days or next week? Even on like large uh, these uh, like uh, uh, listings on Coin Market Cap, you. you you go you can go find these information right in the last 30 days among the top 100 uh, tokens these are the ones that went up the most right you get a list of these and you put in your watch list and you just look for those um and keep an eye on them right because you know those are the most active tokens and then once the market turns once you have like a market signal that tells you okay you have remember here we have selected the moving average crossover right but once you know that this market is starting to turn uptrend because you had a moving average crossover on the market, then you go back to your list of to most active tokens and you look among those that match your moving average crossover criteria, right? Because those are likely the ones that went up the most, that go up the most next, because they historically in the past month, they had a strong trend, um, provided that you don't go buy something that is super extended, right? So, but once you, but my point is, once you have a framework, you have, you will have the answer to these, each of these questions, they just are like, they work with each other. It's an integral part of the whole. Every part is the integral part of the whole, right? Um. So that is my point. And if you have this, if you have your strategy, does it matter who whoever says on Twitter, oh, this coin is going to go up? Oh, that 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 coin is super bullish. What 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 do you do with those information? Those you kind of you if you have like a a if you have your independent framework, you will not be swayed by those information, right? Because whatever coin is like uh you don't you don't really need people to feed you information. Um, you don't need like any newsletter or any influencer to feed you information and tell you, okay, this is the coin you should look at. The coins you should look at is already, you know, in the performance chart, right? Those are the coins that you should look at. So, um, and uh, we're almost done. All right, which coins, which token to select? These are you either, either it's a mean reversion play or it's a, uh, trend play, right? Depends on which stage of the market we're talking about. Okay, we're running out of space. So we make this smaller. Uh, okay, 
Now, finally, your, your management of your position, how big is your position? This is also, it's also like depending on the, the rest of your strategy, the rest of your building blocks, right? If you have decided that you are going to take loss, basically somewhere below your fast moving, moving average, right? So let's say, let's say this is a ticker. And then you set a stop loss that is like uh, on this day, Tuesday. And this stop loss is like uh, uh, you you bought at this uh, this point uh, at the top of this bar. And then you set a stop loss like below this fast moving average, which about like uh, get, you, you want to give it more room. So you set it like basically 10%. I'm not saying this is this is necessarily your stop loss, right? But I'm just giving you an example, okay? So 10% is basically your stop loss. So, so then all you need to do is like, uh, you just need to make one decision, right? The one decision about this is like, how what's the max amount of money you're willing to lose, essentially, right? So if you are willing to lose, let's say 5% of your capital, then it's easy, right? So... That's the percentage of your capital, percent of the cap capital uh, max loss divided by your percentage of your stop loss. That will be your the size of your position, right? So for example, if you have, if you decided, um, for example, if you decided 5% is the max loss um, on your total capital, you're you're willing to lose on this like one decision, okay? And your stop loss is 10%. And what do you get? 5% divided by 10% is like a 50%. That is uh, the amount of uh, money that you can put in on this one position, which is 50% of your capital, right? So if you put, if you decide um, you are willing to take 10%, 10% of your total capital loss. I'm not saying that's that's the amount that, that you should uh, be willing to lose, right? That's really, you know, up to you. 10% is what you're willing to lose and your stop loss is 10%. And then that means you can put 100% of your capital in that one decision, right? So my point is, these like these decisions, they all work with each other. It's not like an ad hoc decision that you just happen to think of on the day on at the minute when you need to make a decision, right? So once you have this framework, isn't like everything like just a lot easier compared to you just like randomly collect some information, randomly collect some indicator, right? It's like uh, today you're using some moving average. Tomorrow, okay, you like listen to a chart chat GPT, you're gonna try this RSI thing. And the day after tomorrow, okay, you're gonna lo look at the moving average. You would not be able, you would not do that kind of thing, right? Because if you mix all these things together, it will be, there will be no strategy, right? Your strategy needs to be consistent. So essentially, um, that is like a one example of what I mean by you having a consistent strategy, right? So essentially, um, you know that your goal is to make money, right? Your, it's like uh, your goal is to go uh, from here to, you know, I'm in like Washington, D.C. I want to go from here to New York. What can I do? I can, um, I can run, I can walk, I can bike, I can take an airplane. But you have to, there has to be some consistency, right? If I want to take an airplane, then... I need to like uh, go to the airport. I need to call Uber, for example, to to get to the airport. I need to buy a like before that. I need to buy a ticket, right? So I cannot say, okay, I'm going to buy a plane ticket, but at the same time, I'm just going to um, walk to New York. It doesn't make sense, right? Then you you does not make sense to mix all these things. Once you have a strategy all the steps of your implementation is going to follow that strategy, right? Obviously, you see people in action movies, <laughs> right? They go, they first hop on the train, and then halfway, they jump on the motorcycle, 
And then they hop on the car and it's a very exciting sequence of action. But those people, they are professional assassins, right? Are you a professional assassin? You're not, right? So you so so you you, you your journey will be a lot more uh pleasant if you stick to one thing, right? If you just like uh I'm gonna take the train from here from Boston to New York, that's all. I'm not gonna bother with any of other transportation vehicles. And your life will be so much easier, essentially. Whoever tells you, okay, the plane's faster, um, you know, maybe you if you just run from Boston to New York, that's like a very pleasant, I doubt it, but you know, some people will say that. But would you listen to that? No, you won't, right? Because you've decided you're gonna take the train. So anyway, uh, this is like, uh, we are going like super way over time, but uh, I hope this is uh, helpful, okay? So I will talk to you next time. Bye.